Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brook, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Jen Donovan, I am beside myself with excitement to have you on this podcast. You are such an interesting woman and I love what you do on every level. So let me introduce you. Do you want to or let you introduce yourself? Do you want to tell everybody what is it that you do right now? Tell us about you and your business. Jules, thank you. I'm really excited. You know, I always love our chats, Jules, so I'm pretty excited to be on the podcast for sure. Um, so right now in my business, I guess I do social media and marketing. So I'm all about uh, teaching small business owners how to make marketing a priority in their business, you know, giving them those moments where they now know how to use Instagram the best way to attract more customers or how to use Facebook or Facebook groups or LinkedIn and that sort of thing. Normally, um, post-COVID or pre-COVID, I should say I would be traveling around rural and regional New South Wales and Victoria doing workshops. But now, of course, I've become a bit of a Zoom queen like everybody else in the world (laughs) and uh, delivering workshops via Zoom to small business owners, both working for councils and government organizations, but also for myself. And then I have this little tiny side gig type of thing that I've been working on. So funny. Go on, tell tell everyone about your little tiny side gig. Yeah. So I've And how it happened. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess how it happened. Let's start there. So back in October, so I guess I should say I'm a rural girl. I live on a farm in the Riverina of New South Wales, which of course is in drought. It looks nice and green now, which is a beautiful thing to see, but it certainly hasn't been like this for the last, you know, seven or eight years. Um, So driving really, I guess, to small towns, delivering workshops, about end of last October in 2019, it was coming on Christmas I know that if farmers don't have money, towns don't have money. And everyone was really sad coming into Christmas and just had no enthusiasm about what and, trade and, would And they like. didn't know what was around the corner in terms of bushfires no. and floods and COVID and everything. Yes. So they didn't know what they were being sad about compared no, to what was no, coming. No, that's right. Exactly. Uh, little did they know what the future held. But basically on the way home from Hay, which is a really tiny little town in the Riverina of New South Wales, I had this thought of starting a Facebook group um, and I knew buy from the bush was a bit of a hashtag at the time so I started up a Facebook group really just to allow people that I interacted with so clients and people who attended my workshops that had um, things to sell could then sell to my friends and their friends and just reach a bigger audience because we all know that algorithms just play with who gets to see what when it comes to using social media. So it was like this little hub that I created. And so I got home, it was Friday night, I started this group, I called it Buy From A Bush Business, I invited you know, all the people I'd seen that week, I invited all my friends, invited them to invite their friends and I created something that went really quite viral quite quickly. Quite quickly, I think it's fair to say. (laughs) So it's one of those things. I've had two things go viral on me in my business and neither of them I saw coming. And in fact, I was just thinking the other day, I really need to do a podcast of my own about virability and uh, what that looks like. But I guess, you know, what are we? Probably nine months down the track now, there's 272,000 people in that group. And it's its own little economy and it's just supporting rural and regional Australian businesses. 
So it's absolutely, epic. absolutely amazing. <laughs> and then just keep it going a little bit longer and tell them what you've just re- launched or just yeah. Set up. So from that, of course, you know, we wanted one of the biggest problems that people kept telling me about, especially from consumers' point of view, was everything disappeared so quickly. When you've got two hundred seventy-two thousand people in a group and someone posts their beautiful, um, you know, socks or their beautiful ceramics, it goes down the page really quickly. So unless people are actually searching for, you know, uh, socks for Father's Day or something like that, it gets lost quite quickly. So we, I teamed up with um, Sarah and Lauren who had Spen with us, which was an online platform, and we created basically a marketplace. So it's Spen with us, buy from a bush business marketplace, and we want to rival eBay, and it's only for rural and regional businesses, and we just want to give them their own platform where they're not being suffocated by big business uh, with big budgets. And so we launched that probably the start of August. So whenever you're listening to this, it was August, start of August 2020 that we launched that. And yeah, look, it, it, it comes with its own triumphs and its own, um, you know, peaks and troughs as well. But it's been an epic journey so far. It's amazing because I think Almost every woman who is listening would love the idea of having 272,000 followers, possibly getting them as quickly as you got them. Because for anyone that's listening, I remember um, getting the message from Jen in October that she'd started this new page. And I thought, oh, I don't know whether it's for me. And then I started getting some, you know, reminders. I think um, Facebook actually sends you, you know, remember that Jen asked you if you wanted to join this page. And so it was maybe two or three weeks later when I did it, and it was almost 45,000 or something at that stage. And then it just, and I remember ringing you going, oh my God, 45,000, that's humongous. <laughs> and look what's happened. So it's really interesting to speak to somebody who has done that. Um, now I want to hear about the other one as well, and I want to hear a lot more, but let me, um, let me just take you back a little bit to why did you set up the social media and marketing business? Was there a sort of a light bulb moment that you thought, God, I need to do this and help other people? It doesn't yeah, matter look- if there wasn't. It, it's just <laughs> it's just interesting to know if there was. Yeah, Jules, look, I guess I, um, I started my career off in law. So I worked in law for quite a few years, I think about 15 in the end, ran my own conveyancing firm, which is property law. Um, for, you know, I did that for probably five or six years where my babies were quite young. Yes, and then I'm ask as you my all, little story all... goes, my best friend and I, Joe, who's been my best friend since I was 14, we had way too much wine to drink one night and we decided to throw in the towel. Yeah, bugger our jobs, you know, la, la, la. They're just too hard. And so we got out the newspaper. We circled a business in town we wanted to buy and not too long after we actually had ourselves a retail shop. So we... Yeah. Yes, she now, with- hang, hang on a minute because I do want to hear all of that story. <laughs> I'm just specifically talking about after you sold the shop and you decided to teach, why did you decide to teach? I'm just really interested. Did, did you see that there was a gap in the knowledge of people in regional areas? Yeah, most certainly. So I guess when I first sold the shop, I started working with a gentleman in Melbourne and we had you know, a marketing and social media business together, which kind of led me into um, – going around the country, we went to Brisbane and Sydney and Adelaide and Perth, and we did all these, uh, you know, bit of road trips, but they were all 
capital cities. And then I would come home to my farm and my, you know, my friends who had businesses here. It's just like, I'm not servicing the people who need it. That there's, you know, there's one to many, many, many's in the city people doing what I was doing, but not really anything in rural and regional Australia. And I guess I had that knowledge of growing a business in a regional area through the ups and downs of droughts and blue-green algae and floods and cyclones and all things like that. And and I guess as rural people, we have this little thing that when someone from the city comes to tell us how to run our businesses, we get on our high horses and go, but you don't understand. You know, we're right. from the country. Things are different here. Um, so I guess I had that sort of knowledge of, you know what, I do know what it's like. And also I just see so much that – Small business owners do marketing when they've got time. You know, it's a, a thing on the back burner. I've got all these other, they're so busy working inside their businesses, they forget to work on their businesses. And then every year they're wondering where the growth is. And it's because they're not really putting a priority to that marketing. So that's kind of like my overarching goal in life is to change the world one small business owner at a time by making them make marketing a priority. Oh, well, I love it. And I'm really glad I asked you that question. Because I think that's really relevant. Now, I want to go right the way back to when Jenny was a little girl and she probably didn't say, when I grow up, I want to have a, well, you wouldn't have said, I want a Facebook page with 272,000 or that I'll be teaching social media marketing. So how did it all happen? Can you take me back to, I want the whole career journey from leaving school? Well, I guess it's really funny how as you get older, like I'm 45. So it's really funny how jigsaw pieces start to fall into place when you start looking back nostalgically. So up until year 11, when I took legal studies, I wanted to be a school teacher, hands down, no doubt about it. Since I was a wee little thing, taught my teddy bears, you know, everything they needed to know. Um, And then I did legal studies and fell in love with law. So it's quite funny now that I technically am in a teaching role. I'm just not in an education department. So it's funny how things, you know, the passion, I guess, did come out eventually. But yeah, look, uh, as soon as I took law in uh, year 11 and 12, I was just hooked. I absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, went to uni in Melbourne and Sydney and actually fell pregnant. I didn't even, I forgot to ask that. Did you grow up in the country as I well? I did. I did. So I actually grew up on a farm on the Victorian side, about half an hour away from, from where I live now. And mum and dad moved to town when I was 15 and I vowed and declared I would never marry a farmer. I was going to be a city girl. <laughs> And then I was actually 15 and a half when I met my now husband. So no. I, was, I was 15 when I met him. Um, so we've been together like 30 years or something now. So oh um, it didn't last long. My vow and declare I'll never marry a farmer didn't last very long whatsoever. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so sorry, I, I interrupted you. So you left the, the country, I guess, to go into the city to go to uni. And then what yeah. happened? Yeah. And then I, um, I tried to complete my law degree the first time and uh, it was when we went through the recession we had to have back in the early 90s and my mum and dad uh, lost a lot of money and therefore I was working quite a few jobs to keep myself at uni and it all became too hard so I quit uni got a job in a law firm uh, down actually in Albury Wodonga where um, you're a bit closer to home so out of the city and then I tried again uh, a couple of years later um, when I was married I decided I was going to go back and finish it. Well, there's a lesson just for everyone. With my first child. So I got interrupted again. So (laughs) I... (laughs) 
<laughs> so I technically have a, a law degree, but I don't have a certificate. I've never done my articles of association. So when I ran my own conveyancing firm, I went and got a conveyancing license and got professional indemnity that way. So I'm not a solicitor when I say, you know, I've worked about 20 years in law because I never did the articles because, you know, baby number one came along and anyone who's listening who has babies knows exactly how that changes yeah, we your all life do. and we your priorities. So, um, yeah, so then I sort of, um, and I moved into conveyancing, I guess, because where I live, you there was no court system. The nearest court systems are like 40 minutes and an hour away. So you either have a choice of family law or conveyancing and family law, if anyone listening has ever done family law, it is heartbreaking. I don't know how I used to, Family's or way back up, when yeah. I used to transcribe pose the court proceedings so I literally have to you know on the tape recorder type all the court proceedings out there was none of this you know voice to text that we have these days (laughs) (laughs) I sound very old now don't I Um, no but that makes sense as to why from that you go no that's not an area I want to get into yeah so so how long were you a conveyancing lawyer for um so I did probably I did my own firm for probably would have been about six years I guess right and uh, that was by the babies were quite young so I think you know I had um I had three under four, so was quite um, busy. And I do have very vivid memories of breastfeeding and talking to mortgage brokers and changing dirty nappies and talking to clients, you know, with uh, the phone in between your shoulder and your ear because, you yes. know, again, there was no held, you know, hands-free back then. Um, yeah, so that's what I sort of did. And then, um, yeah, then as the story goes, my best friend Jojo and I decided we were going to become retailers. And we thought we were having fun. We were going to buy a shop and play shops. So was that um... – were you still a conveyancing lawyer when you had that piss night with Joe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. So yeah. you just kind of dumped the the full time job and said, right, we're going to have a shop. So yeah, explain well, that a bit a... more because you were you only touched on that before. Yeah, look, I guess it wasn't a full time job because you know the babies were quite young yeah. or you know young kids. So it's a bit like my job now. Like I'll say to somebody, oh, I'm so busy at the moment, but I'm not <laughs> working nine to five. I'm busy for the lifestyle that I want to have running yeah. the business that I do. So it's very different to being busy of you know working eight to nine every day type of thing that's not my busy um sometimes it is but not often so yeah like my conveyance I probably you know had the maximum I had was probably um you know maybe 50 files for a month type of thing so busy I have enough, no idea but... <laughs> what that means but I love it so so you were doing that part-time and then you and Joe your friend had this night where what what was it? What was the trigger that you went, oh, let's get a shop? Did you just see an ad or what happened? Um, well, I think we'd always spoken. I, I guess there was that lead up. We'd always said we should buy, you know, we should have a business together. And we would often sit there and talk about what our town was missing and, you know, what sort of a business could we open up? And, uh, you know, I guess it's a bit like before you have children. And like, I remember my husband and I would go driving and we'd talk about what are we going to name our babies? You know, it was just a conversation <laughs> that we continually had. Um, and it sort of, came to a head one night when Joe pulled out the local paper and she said, Well furthermore's for sale, we should buy that. And we looked and that at was it a, and what was that was that kind of a 
what kind of a It was a, a gift shop. So it was a gift shop at the time. Um, right. Yeah, it kind of had a bit of a kitchen, um, a little bit of kitchen to it, but it was like a gift shop. Um, and, you know, we looked at the price. It's like, oh, it's not worth that. And, of course, it was a shop that it was like 25 years old. So it had been our favourite shop for a long time. <laughs> and then, of course, it had got quite run down. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure the owner of the shop will never listen to this, but not the owner we bought it off, but the previous owner, my one of my children broke something and he made me pay for it. So I never went back. I was so yeah. shirty. <laughs> now there's a lesson for everyone listening as well. All yeah, right, so I so... never charged anyone who broke things in my shop because I knew what it could do. Well, exactly. And and if anyone has ever listened to Kate Shrek speak, that is exactly she talks about a guy that will still 15 years later talk about some bad service he had at a McDonald's drive through and he can't let it go because no. we, you know, so it's never worth pissing off your customers, really. No. Anyway, so, so what happened next? Um, so what happened next? So we bought the shop. So we bought a very rundown shop. Uh, basically, you know, we looked at the price. We said, nah, we'll give you this. And he said, yes. And he could have knocked us both over with a feather. Clearly he was just so desperate to get out. Uh, it'd been on the market for quite some time and he had some health issues and I think he just uh, wanted to get out. So, um, yeah, so we ended up buying ourselves a shop and I'm not a nervous person like you know I get butterflies like everybody else and things like that but you know generally I can sort of suppress that anxiety that comes out I can tell you that morning in the bank signing bank checks I was almost vomiting I could have had a bucket I was so <laughs> sick this was so far what have we removed done? from running a conveyancing firm that I knew exactly what needed to be done at the exact right time and who to ring and who to do that and all of a sudden I was in I don't know what I'm doing land and it didn't sit so well with me the excitement had worn off very very quickly <laughs> So at that stage, did you have any idea what you were going to put in the shop? No, no, we actually, well, we did. We had very good idea of what looked nothing like what it ended up looking. But, you know, <laughs> we had very great ideas of what we were going to put in there and things like that. And we went to our first trade show, which is you know, the big trade shows in Melbourne. We yep. actually didn't own the shop at the time. We'd signed the contracts, but we did, hadn't actually taken possession. And we went there and it because that was very overwhelming for anyone. Is this who's the Reed Gift Fair, the really big yes, one? Yes, yeah, Reed's yeah, Gift yeah. Fair. And that was just like, oh, my God. God, it was like kid in a lolly shop for sure. And we came home as proud as punch. We spent $7,000 and we were like, oh my God, this is so good. We took possession of the shop. $7,000 turned up in two boxes and we went, oh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, is this it? Like, we thought that we bought enough to fill the shop. <laughs> Oh it dear, was so, so green. <laughs> so how did how long did you have the shop for and what did you end up doing with it? Yeah, so we had the shop for seven years in the time at the time and look the we took over on a Thursday and that Saturday we actually had uh, lunch at the pub and we had a bit of a talk about things and we're like, right, seven year itch, let's do it for seven years and see what happens. So from the very start we had an exit plan. We knew that this was gonna be fun but wasn't our forever jobs. Um right. So we ended up, uh, so we had it for, I think, about three or four years and we saw this real movement online, uh, sorry, on the um, with TV shows, with cooking shows and things like that. So we 
definitely started heading down that cooking line and then you started to have the bake-off so then we started running cake decorating classes and had cake decorating you know uh, tools to use and then that grew and we found ourselves having to move furniture to have whole classes at night so then we decided to get the shop over the road that had a room out the back and run classes all the time and birthday parties and things like that so we did that and that kind of took the the polish off it I think because Joe and I were then in separate shops I was no longer working with my best friend every day and you know we'd meet in the center of the road and we'd exchange uh, you know computers or whatever we needed to do and have a little natter and then have to go back to our shops again so um, that didn't probably work very well and I probably should say uh, just going one step back I actually kept a three day a week job after we bought the shop so for the whole seven years uh, no, no, for 12 months. I didn't quite want to let go of my no, income fair enough, fair just enough. in case things didn't work out. Um, so, yeah, and then um, a, a bigger shop opened up. Uh, the local chemist was moving and it was prime position. It was the best shop in town, as in right near the traffic lights, right in the centre of town, right next to the news agency for all that foot traffic. And so we rang the landlord thinking we'll probably never be able to afford it. He told us the price and we said, can we have it? So we moved two shops into one. We rebranded as the Kitchenware Queens, painted the shop bright pink. And um, yeah, then we were sort of back in together and we had a shop that was probably three times the size of what we started. Wow, what a great story. So you get to the end of seven years. And what happens then? Yeah, so it was funny. We were at a trade show and we'd been out for dinner to our uh, favourite Chinese restaurant in Chinatown in Melbourne, uh, you know, two girls on the town, and we were walking yep. home. And I had all these big plans of um, doing cooking classes and installing uh, ovens and things like that in our shop so we could run cooking classes. Not that I was going to host them. I can't cook. But, um, you know, and getting, you know, celebrity chefs of such in there and that and I said so if you ever want to sell you need to give me 12 months notice because I've got all these plans in my head and she turned to me and she said I want to sell (gasps) and and I was like what (laughs) and I completely ignored it carried on in my own little merry way and um yeah and so that was so what was let me just ask quickly what was Joe's career beforehand and she worked with children with disabilities oh okay so it was all well and good to do this but maybe she got to a stage where she's going I want more meaning or I want to Yeah, I think it was, um, I was the marketing and accounts girl. So I did a lot of the back end sort of stuff. So Jo was very much at the front. Um, You know, she was like the The always on customer service. I did a lot of customer service, but she was the front of the business. And I think she just got sick of people. People can be really mean and nasty. (laughs) And they wear you down over seven years. (laughs) <laughs> and just before I got on this um, podcast with you, I looked at there was a very close friend on Facebook going, I hate the way everyone's being horrible. And so, uh, yeah, I can understand that you just get fed up with it after that. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're now to about when I met you, which was when you were working with the Marketers Club and I met you at a sort of learn to speak thing. Mm. Um, so from that, I guess that's what you were talking about, doing all the travelling and working with him. You mm. decided to go out. So what was there a bit of a light bulb moment then again when you went, had enough doing it with him, want to do it myself, or just that he wasn't in the regional areas? 
Yeah, look, Jules, there was, and I'm not quite sure that story is something for the public arena. Oh, but okay. there was a there was a bit of a light bulb moment where our brand values were no longer meeting. Um, so you know, obviously, no. I have my own values in life and as a business, and it got to the point where it was kind of. Yeah, I, I, I kind of just you know took a good look at myself one day and went, you know what, that actually isn't who I am or that doesn't match my brand value. So therefore, I think it's time for us to uh, look at, you know, parting and ways or doing something. So different. what I actually meant as well was what made you decide that you were going to go out on your own to do social media um, and, and teach people? I mean, that just, again, is sort of, to me, another kind of side kind of going on another kind of a detour. I'm just fascinated by all yeah, your changes. Look, so if I'm being a hundred percent honest, desperation. I didn't know right. what else to do. I right. had sort of come out of law into retail. I'd done this work with, you know, with the the in the Mark of this club and um I'd really enjoyed it. Like I didn't know how to public speak until I was, you know, I think it was forty one when I learned how to public speak up until yeah, same. Then, for me it was really frightening. <laughs> like, you know, I can't believe that I'm that person now that can do public speaking but and doesn't absolutely die before you get up on I mean I never forget the first couple of times thinking they're just all going to laugh at me Mm. like I mean oh my you just have such imposter syndrome yeah particularly when you put on a big stage with lots of people absolutely but it's um, very rewarding I mean once you do it and you do it a few times it does start to become much more comfortable and you can kind of stop standing there like a frozen rabbit in the headlights and start actually (laughs) giving people some of your personality and some stories yeah Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. But like, you know, our, um, my leaving my previous partnership, it was November. So everything was in shutdown. Um, I didn't want to go back to retail and it was just. A, a, a little bit of desperation of what skills do I have? You know what? I have some pretty good skills in helping other small business yeah. owners. Um, I decided to take start a podcast, so I ordered the, all the equipment and just yes, YouTube. How do you podcast? What do you have to do there? <laughs> and um, yeah, started a podcast. Started um, a bit of a yeah social media and marketing business. Reached out to you know networks. Jules, we all know how incredibly powerful networks are, and I've only started to see that in probably the last two, three years, just how incredible it is. The footprints that you leave and the impressions that you leave, how much that can really help grow your business, um, you know, and help others grow their business as well. But yeah, that's kind of, I I guess it was a bit of desperation coming into Christmas. Well, I'm so glad you did it because I actually can't imagine you doing anything else. And I have (laughs) seen you on stage presenting around social media and you're brilliant at it. So uh, you know, maybe that was just your calling. And now you've got this massive side hustle that's turned into <laughs> your little small networking group has turned into 247,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so along the way, you mentioned Joe as being somebody who obviously you've done a lot of things within your life. But because this is a show about women in business, I feel obliged to at least ask you if there have been women that have helped you along your way and if you've got any stories to tell about how they helped you. And if they haven't, because you were in law and conveyancing (laughs) and it's quite possible there aren't any, you know, you don't have to. But I guess I'd just like to ask the question. 
because I'm always interested to and pleased to hear about other women helping other women. Yeah, look, and I have to say, I probably jump to my retail days before I can find that. I remember um, in law being absolutely ripped to shreds by several women that I look back now as a mature 45-year-old with all my experience and I think that was so much more about them than what it was about me. It wasn't me who caused that. That was their problem. But I didn't know that at the time. No. So, you know, I don't And you have... can't answer back either, really, at, the, no, at those sorts of no. times because you're going to inflame it and you know you're younger. Yeah. So you just, mm. yeah, it's uh, how awful to hear about that. I, I always upsets me. And I yeah. actually remember you saying to me, God, Jules, where are you hanging out? Because I see loads of women that are horrible. <laughs> And I do. And it was when I sort of, I guess when you enter the small business world, at the end of the day, that's what I can pinpoint it as. You know, people, the the corporates that I came across, and I'm not saying it's everyone, clearly it's not everyone, but the corporate world was very different for me to what the small business world is. And I found nothing but embracement since entering the small business world, both men and women, Um, but yeah, especially women. And look, I've got, you know, a couple of besties who weren't my friends until I had a business, but, you know, we've met through business that are now, you know, definitely my best friends who are the people that, um, you know, push me, challenge me, slap me with the wet fish when I'm being silly or when I'm, you know, not believing in myself. Like, yeah. But it's always done from a place of love and it's always done from a let, let us help you. Yes. Not, and you know, and if you're gonna if you're gonna say to someone, "Oh my God, you're hopeless," it's not a nasty "you're hopeless." It's like, "Come on, how can I help you do better?" Yeah, yeah. But like you know, when I'm having, you know, we all have down days. You know, I think it's you know, life, hormones, yes. women, family, whatever that looks like. But you know, when I'm having days of, I don't know whether I'm, you know, am I really any good at this, or really is that program going to help anyone? You know, that's where my my friends, my business friends come and say, yes, you've done this, this and this for me, or I see you do this, or, you know, I rang the person and told them to get you. And that's, oh, yeah, again, great. that's your networking. But And you saying that actually, I think has really kind of clarified for me because I have been in small business land for so long. I mean, I think I had my first business when I was 23. So I think that's how I've missed out on all those I don't want to say bitches, but they sound like bitches out there. All right. So let's talk about, um, I was going to ask you about some pivotal moments that might have, you know, challenged you and that you've learned from. Do you think you've covered that off or is there anything else that you have had Um, happen that has a lesson in it? Look, it's probably a little bit funny and I I don't know. I suppose women who are our age might get what I'm about to say. Maybe other women won't. But I've seen massive growth in myself in the last nine to ten months since starting this group. I've always been a people pleaser. Uh, It's just my nature. I want to make people happy. Um, You know, I don't like making people unhappy and having a community of people I don't know. So 272,000 people. I don't know all these people. I have literally seen the best and worst of humanity through that group. I can say that hands down. There are some amazing people with awesome stories, with heartbreaking stories, with stories of elation. And then there are some really cruel people out there. And over the last nine months of running that group and probably in the last 
last six, I've really had to learn to go, you're not my person. I'm just going to, you know, so I kick people out if they're... Remove you. It, yeah. So, and, you know, and then they come say... back to me and then they, you know, they're into me and sometimes they ring me and they're into me. And that as a people pleaser is really hard to go, I can't solve this for you. I just have to let you go. So that's been a real shift in my attitude with a community controlling such a, not controlling, that's really a bad word, but you know Managing what I mean? or, or yeah. facilitating or whatever you're doing. Mm, like another community to say to, to know myself that some people aren't going to like me. Some people aren't going to be my people and that's okay. So that's yeah. been a really big pivotal moment in my world for sure. Oh, fantastic. So um, while I've got you and we've got a little bit of time, I've suddenly thought, talk to me a little bit about how you do manage that kind of a group and also how you manage it when it's growing that fast. Like how are you able to facilitate all these people when there's so many of them? (laughs) Well, I I guess I'm not quite sure how much time we have for stories and that, but um, I got to a stage probably mid-January where it was becoming all too much. There was so many people that were at me. There were so many people vying for my time. It was, and it was all becoming too much. So I actually, there was a couple, a lady uh, who kept reaching out to me saying, if you need help, if you need help, if you need help. So eventually I went back to her and said, I need help. Will you add admin this with me uh, to which she said yes and then she brought on one of her friends um you know oh, I've got another friend who'd like to do it yes that'd be great now that turned out to be the very worst decision I have made with that group those people turned out to be not my people um right. and in fact I was ready to hand over the group which uh, you know Jules I know you and I have discussed a few times and you were very against me handing over the group no, but yes. it had worn me down and I was losing focus and I just wanted to get rid of the group because of everything that it was doing to I guess a little bit of my mental health little did I know that it was the people I was surrounding myself with which was the problem not the group so uh, it all come to a head one Friday night where I found out some things that I didn't know and um, I ended up shutting the whole thing down kicking everybody out that I didn't want in the group uh, including my admins and started afresh again uh, and you know rebooted the group and Uh, And since then, it's just me. So I am the only monitor um, necessarily of the group, uh, except Sarah and Lauren now have come on since we amalgamated our business. Who are friends of yours, are they, or more of your tribe? Yeah, definitely my people. (laughs) Definitely my people. I think it's really important. I think it's, firstly, I was horrified. I do remember you saying, I just, I'm not coping. And I was like, find a way because you can't, (laughs) it's, it's so, it's like the universe was, it's meant to be. Like when that happens to you, and I completely understand. I'm sure I'd completely freak out if it happened to me. But in the same breath, it's a gift and you've got to try and work with it. And look what it's done for you. I mean, obviously, it's. I can see how much more relaxed and smiley you are now. Yeah. So you have yeah. worked it out. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. I've just worked out a little bit. Like I was saying before, I've just worked out that it's okay not to be a people pleaser. If someone is in the group and they're you know, going against the rules and regulations of being nasty or, you know, bullying and things. It's just like, see you later. You know, yep, great. there's the door. Uh, well, I there's guess, plenty well, of groups for you. So my fear, if I do that, and I bet I'm not the only one, is what if they find a way to come back 
and do damage to me or my brand. So has that happened or have you got a, a plan for if that happens? No, it did happen once. In fact, and I know, Jules, I, I, be that you, I, I invited you to help me with this, but someone started up a hate group on Facebook oh, yeah. against I me. I forgot. Um, and that was really hard. And of course I went into a protection mode and I shut down all my reviews on Google, my business and all my reviews on my social media and marketing Australia. Cause I'm like, they're separate businesses, but what if they come at me on the business that actually makes me money as opposed to my side hustle, which is my, you know, charitableness. Um, and I really went into fight or flight mode. Um, and I used to check it. Uh, it used to go, oh, my God, who's saying what now? And now it's kind of like, you know what? It's okay. Like last time I looked, there was seven people following it and I've got 272,000. So <laughs> I think I'm winning. Oh, <laughs> and totally again, you are. I'm not going to make everyone happy. And clearly I made that person cranky enough to go and do that against me, which broke my heart. But, you know, and now I don't even know where the link is. I deleted the link no, that's and good, decided, good. yeah. I'm a big fan of tunnel vision. It's like people who don't like themselves (laughs) on video or listening to the sound of their voice. And I'm not a big fan of listening to myself. I record it and I never listen to it again. And Mm -hmm. that way I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Now talk to me about being a mum who's got a group that's got 270,000 people in it and a business and your life. How do you juggle that? What sort of hours are you working? Um, look at the moment, I've actually, my business has grown significantly during COVID and I know how lucky I am to say that sentence. So at the moment, I, I'm a great believer in you can't be good at everything all the time. So I would say that my kids are missing out, like they're being homeschooled at the moment. They're a year 11 and year 12, clearly like their teaching is probably way beyond anything I could help with either. But, you know, my house is a mess. I've got washing that, you know, needs folding from a week ago. Uh, you know, the, the, the my bathroom floor is terrible. <laughs> but, you know, so I can't do it all. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I can. But, um, yeah, look, at the moment I'm working some crazy sort of hours uh, for a person who works from home that runs a business from home. So, um, yeah. you know, last night I was up to 11 o'clock trying to get a blog done, but I'd also gone and done my parents' grocery shopping during the day. So, yeah, you know, lovely. It, That's a great illustration. Okay. Yeah. And I get that. And mm. I'm the same. When we're busy, we work. When we're not busy, we can take that time off. Yes. The thing yeah. I couldn't bear about working for someone else would be, there's not much to do, but I want you to look busy. And I'd be like, what's the point even being here? Let me go. I'll come back and work another time. Yes, so exactly. I totally get that juggle. Um, now, here's the one out of the box for you. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? Oh. I've heard everything from a person who doesn't have a belly button to somebody who, who won a game show. So I'll take anything um, or nothing. Um, I uh, put some of my um, damages down to the fact that I never had Barbie dolls growing up. (laughs) I I often blame the fact that my mum and dad only ever bought me cheap Cindy dolls for some of my psychological problems that I have. (laughs) That is so funny. I don't think I had a Barbie or a Cindy, Uh, but maybe that, maybe that says something about me as well. Maybe, maybe there'll be a study one day, Jules, and we'll be their candidates. All right, so now we're just down to the last little bit, and this is really nothing to do with anything other than I love apps. I'm obsessed with apps on my phone. So I just ask everyone. So aside from your social media, which doesn't count all your banking, 
Have you got any business apps that are useful on your phone that you want to share? I mean, if you don't, it doesn't matter, but. Yeah, look, I use an app called Snow, as in, you know, the white stuff that falls from the ground. When I have to do a video and, you know, I'm sitting here with the hair and the pigtail and no makeup on, Snow puts my makeup on for me. It puts on fake eyelashes and a little bit of lipstick and a little bit of rouge and um, I can do my video via Snow. That sounds like the best app ever. Are you serious? Oh, my God, I'm going to get it. So Snow. Oh, that sounds amazing. So I do love my snow. Not that I think that we should have to have No, filters. no, I get that. And I don't, but not even better, that, but this is no, me. But it's, even, <laughs> but it's even better if we don't have to do that and the actual machine will just do it for us. <laughs> I, I think that's just the best compromise I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, any other ones that you um, use? And then I, I use a, a lot mix captions, so M-I-X captions, because video needs captions. So it's one of those ones that I actually find really quite easy to upload my video in from Snow and put into there and then put <laughs> captions on it. So then I have captions to put it onto social media. Um, I think it could have a paid version. Um, I think I do actually pay a little bit for that one. But look, for four ninety nine or whatever it is, it's so worth it for me Um, and the other one is story art I love story art for um, Instagram stories like you know what does it do give you a little bit more polished and professional oh so is it a bit like Canva but it's just for Instagram just for stories yeah okay interesting Mm. I love that you've given me three doozies (laughs) um do you play on your phone do you have games um not really I do have one um it is what is it uh, it's like a word one um, and hangman. So they're probably oh, yeah. the two that I play a little bit of. Um, I'm just a word link. I don't know. It drives me crazy sometimes because I can't <laughs> get the word. But <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it's, there's a lot of women. Let me tell you, I think I'm, I think, I think I said to you earlier, I must be sort of 40 interviews in now. I would say of that, 80% of women tell me they don't play at all on their phone. <laughs> Half of them saying, who has the time? And I'm like, I don't want to even admit that I've got the time. Um, but, you know, it's just something that I love and it's a bit of fun. So mm-hmm. thank you so much, Jen, for this terrific interview. What an interesting life you've led. And there's some really good, there's some really, really good stories in there that people can learn from as well. And I think the strongest one is something that you've only learned recently that we just touched on at the end, which is, Walk your own path and just if, if there are people who come into your community or your world that don't get you, then just get them out. Don't try and change yourself. Just get rid of them. Yeah, because your people are out there. You know, if that's not your person, if you get rid of that person, it allows room for someone else to come in that is your person. Oh, look at that. Brilliant advice. Now, Jen, if anyone wants to get hold of you, obviously there's buy from a bush business on uh, Facebook, but how else could they get hold of you about maybe social media and marketing? Yeah, yeah. So um, I would also love everyone to support our new marketplace at spendwithus.com.au. Oh that would us. be awesome. But um, otherwise, I'm on Instagram at Small Business Made Simple, which happens to be the name of my podcast. And on social media, my little group is called my little group. I do have another little group. It's very <laughs> little, little compared to the other one. It's called Like Minded Business Owners. And it's just a really great place for people to hang out just to, uh, yeah, hang out with other like minded business owners, surprisingly enough. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. It's just been a delight. Oh, Jules, it's so good to chat as always. We could chat for hours. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.